Hey everyone, welcome to the Vezel Talks podcast. I'm your host, Stefan Katanik, and today I have with me Dave Barnes, the founder and creative director of Charette. Welcome, Dave. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No problem, man. Yeah. Of course, I've been wanting to talk to you on a podcast for the last couple of months now. You know, we, we started this initiative a couple of months ago with the idea to give the youth in marketing ideas, inspiration of, you know, how to actually run an agency, how to be a good marketer, how to be a good creative and always give value to your to your customers and your clients, right? And right. for us, it was it was really something new because we haven't done this before. I mean, I've been a guest on podcasts before, but starting our own podcast, we were, we were a little confused with the intention early on and we just wanted to say, you know what? Our people need education from other people. Their team's probably need education from other creatives. So let's start the Bezel Talks podcast. We talk about creativity, we talk about leadership, we talk about marketing, we talk about you know some key lessons that you've learned in your career that you know, young people, my millennial age can learn. So yeah, I think you bring a, definitely a lot of experience and uh, you're someone who I look up to in many different ways and I think you bring a lot of value to your clients and I wanna, I wanna learn from you directly and be a reflection of you know, some of your key lessons in your career. Great, well yeah, it's been great uh, getting to know you since we met uh, at the Can Lions last summer. It was awesome. I saw you across the room, I was like, I gotta meet that guy. And I, you, were, you were just, you were so bright and just the, 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 the questions you were asking and just the comments you were making on the topics were just really, uh, really excellent. And, and, and it, it's been great getting to know you. So thanks for having me. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. So, you know, what are you doing right now? And how did you get to that point? You, you obviously, you got one or two wrinkles more than me. So that's all experience. I got a couple so. wrinkles. Yeah, but that's okay. They're all loved. They're all earned. And uh, so right now I've just started a, a company called Charette. We're, we're an agency, but we're trying to disrupt the agency model. Gotcha. Um, a bit of a hybrid agency, uh, very much kind of stripped down uh, and highly tuned with a little street cred, a bit like this bike behind us. Yeah, thank you. That's, you know, a bit of a showpiece, but, uh, you know, makes a good backdrop anyways, right? So, uh, anyway, so, so I, I've been in and out of the agency biz for some time now. I've been on client side, I've been at different agencies. And I, I saw this opening that, you know, there's, there's you know, with, with, with everything kind of happening online and all the marketing focus being kind of directed there, there was a gap between kind of coming up with the ideas, coming up with the creative, but then producing the content and, and, and getting it disseminated and, and channeled uh, out into the right places. So Shred kind of is coming to the table with the idea that, hey, well, well let me back up. First, Shred comes from architecture. I worked in uh, development for years, and it's... it's uh, it's a word for a design meeting, and it, it kind of really the the idea behind it is is let's let's have an intense design period where instead of like stretching things out over weeks and weeks, we get the right people in the room, we table the issues, the problems, and then we have a charrette where we really dig deep and make some decisions in rapid succession, so we can compress the timelines, uh, we can save people time. Uh, 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 time and money and kind of get to the solutions and outcomes quicker you know everything just takes so long there's so many meetings there's meetings with you know I'm, who's been in a marketing meeting you're like what are all these people doing like am I paying for all these people when you're on the client side 
and and things they take weeks to happen you know branding takes months you know projects campaigns sometimes you know they, they stretch on for from Q1 to Q2 and so on so our idea is let's get the right teams together let's get the right clients with kind of the drive to kind of to, to break through kind of the status quo um, and, and the old way of doing things and, and really kind of truncate the timelines, compress the budgets, and get better outcomes. Get better outcomes. Yeah. So to me, it sounds like you're moving away from the traditional agency model and more towards a growth partner model where 100 percent partner up with the client. They know they see you as that partner, not you know the agency creative director of this team, right? So. How are you positioning yourself as a growth partner as opposed to the agency? Like, what? How do you approach the client? How do they? How do you make that? How do you make those parameters be in that growth partner perspective? Yeah, well, that that's interesting because part of our value proposition is that that you um, you know, not only like obviously we're a fees for service company. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I get it. We're sure. a professional services company, but. On the business side, we can partner with kind of the, the return on investment. So we can establish KPIs across kind of like brand, campaign, and business KPIs. And if we hit our KPIs, then we participate in that. So for example, our fees could be X, but if we hit our KPIs, maybe they're X times 1.1, or you know, there's a 20% increase. Or we double our KPIs, maybe there's a 40% increase. But on the other side, if we don't hit our KPIs, maybe we're discounting our fees. So we'd like to okay. really partner I with see. people in that sense. That's actually really interesting. So talk to me more about that. How do you structure your fees as a growth partner? Because I'm sure a lot of the listeners here are looking to see what's the best agency model. And I get asked all the time, yo, Steph, what's the best model for my agency, right? So I'd love to learn more about that. You know, how, how would that work? Let's say I'm a client paying $100,000 a month in ad spend, right? And right. I'm selling, um, let's say I'm selling chairs. Right and like home right. decor stuff like that. So how would you approach that client who wants to sign a twelve-year agreement with you? You have your pricing model and you want to make it as competitive as you can, but you also want to show them that you know you have their best incentives aligned with your incentives. So how how do you approach that? So I think we'd scrape the historical kind of KPIs to see really to see where what where where the, where they are at a baseline across like brand campaign and business. Like in terms of their revenue, in terms of their impressions, in terms of uh, and, and brand attributes, like how people look at the brand, um, uh, what they, what feelings they evoke, you know, what the general sentiment about the brand is. Um, we'd establish those baseline KPIs, and and then basically we're trying to up those. We're trying to improve those. So, the the the. The more that we can elevate those KPIs, those end results, those outcomes, um, really our fee should be geared to that. Because, you know, why should we get paid our full fees, which can be, you know, $100,000 a year, it's substantial, if, if um, we're going to make our recommendations, the client's going to take them, but then say we don't improve the KPIs, say we don't hit our benchmarks. Like, we should be... If we're going to participate in the upside, then we should also be participating in the risk. So, so that's how that's how would that be modeled? So it's a, let's say your fee is you know a hundred thousand for the year. If you hit this benchmark of KPIs of return ad spend of like let's say two two point five x, if you get two point seven three, your fee would increase or 
Yeah, 100%. Exactly. Okay. So, right. So there would be a baseline fee and then a fee for performance. Gotcha. Right? So if we, if we, you know, if, if we double the expectation, mm -hmm. then maybe our fees more than double. Mm -hmm. Right? But if we just hit expectation, well, then, then it's just it that base, it it's just the baseline fee. Right? So th then the clients know that we're really partnering with them. Right. Like we're putting, we got some skin in the game with them. And that's what I think's been missing. Skin in the game. Skin in the game. Gotcha. So you're putting your skin in the game with your clients. They obviously see it. They're like, wow, you know, Dave's serious. He's, you know, he's risking his company, his performance based on how performance to deliver to us. Most employees wouldn't do that. You know, obviously not. They get a certain salary. They have maybe a certain bonus structure, but as a growth partner coming on board, and this is actually why people hire agencies. They hire them because they have the processes, they have the most creative people doing the work, they have a lot of experience doing it, so they're hiring an agency for all of that, a turnkey solution. Now you're adding a, another layer on top where it's a growth partner solution and your business model proves that. How did you make, come up with that business model? Like, where was this idea originally from? You know what, it's, it originated, the first time I heard of it was uh, Anomaly, so Frankie had Anomaly when they came to Canada. I got to know their agency. I was on the client side working at Great Golf. And when I got the, their first uh, uh, introduced to the agency, they told me about how they partner with um, companies and startups and, and they had a similar model. So to me, that always intrigued me, you know, like really kind of, to me, that was, that was the antithesis. I, I, I mean, that was, that was authentically authentic partnership. Yeah. So, you know, I, I always felt it was missing because as, you know, marketers and as advertising uh, consultants, we make recommendations, but we don't stand behind them, right? Like if, if the results don't pay off, then we make excuses, but the client's gotta pay that price. So I, I was like, wouldn't it be good if we could really stand with our clients and really, really you know, um, go all the way with them. So that's really what I've been wanting to do um, for a number of years now, and I'm, I really have finally had a chance to do it. So how's the, how's the feedback, feedback been so far? It's been really good. Mm -hmm. It's been really good. There's been a lot of questions. The, you know, I've talked to a lot of business leaders about it, kind of, let's call it the establishment. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they get it, because I, you know, I think it scares them a little bit, right? <laughs> Because if that becomes the status quo, yeah. then that could really shake up everything, yeah. right? Um, so, you know, I've, I've had a lot of comments. Oh, that's very bold, they said, or, you know, that's, that's, that's brave of yeah. you. But like, you know, fortune favors the brave. And, you know, I want, like, if we're not standing behind our ideas, what are we standing behind, you know? Um, you know, it's just our experience. And I believe in this agency and a good mentor of mine, um, our uh, community agency told me, you're only as good as the last thing you do, right? You know, what you did a year ago, it really doesn't matter to your client. They're just, the last project you did, that's your reputation. If it was good, you're good. If it was shit, you're shit. Um, and, and, that's true. and that's just the way that's I look true. at things. Yeah, that's true. We'll get back to what you're doing in just a second, but I want to know, like, you're obviously a very well-rounded individual. You know, you got class, you got swagger, you're traveled, you, you know, you have your own, your own business. You're swagger, right? Eh? Swagger, man. The bike says it all. Okay. 
family man, you know, outdoor guy with the, with the dogs every morning. So, like, you obviously do a lot of things outside of work that make you who you are, right? What would you say is, is your number one thing outside of work that you put a focus on in life? It's got to be my family. I have three girls and two dogs, and it's insane. Yeah, it's busy. But I love it. Like, we're, we're like, fully outdoors. We're, like, um, you know, always getting into something. And nothing's perfect, but it's, it's a beautiful adventure. And, you know, that's, I live for that, right? So I like the car drives up north. I like the camping. I, you know, I take the girls on fishing trips every year. Um, we're constantly hiking and biking and, Skiing, I saw Skiing, and yeah. So I, you know, I love that. And that's, you know, that's my life. Like, really, that is my life. And work accompanies that and, you know, complements that. And, yeah. uh, well, maybe I have two lives. A work <laughs> life and a family life. Yeah. But yeah, that, that's my focus. And, you know, I like staying fit too, right? Um, you know, I had some good mentors growing up. And uh, that kind of really ingrained in me the the wealth of physical fitness and energy and vitality mm-hmm. and and I love that you know and uh, you know so I gravitate towards that I like to have energy I don't want to be tired you know I hate being tired I hate being sick I'm like you know really bad when I'm sick my wife has told me this um, and uh, but yeah so and it, it, without energy and without your health what do you have yeah you know what do you have Right, um, so that's what keeps me going. Keeps you going. Huh? Yeah, I like that. I like that. You know, being being a very well-rounded individual, it takes time to get to that level. Of course, you like when you're young, you're hustling, you're focusing more on work than anything else. Maybe even some fitness, right? And then everything comes into place. Like now, I'm about to hit thirty, April fifteenth, right? So it's Congrats. like, thank you. I made it this far. But you know what? Now coming to thirty, I see that everything—not everything—I'd say most things in my life are starting to encompass. They're yeah. starting to gravitate more towards who I am. Everything from like, you know, from a business standpoint, from a social standpoint, my relationships with people around me, um, basically my health. You know, my, my going to the gym, traveling, yeah. getting experience. Now I'm thirty. I'm like, wow. I feel like now I'm about to hit my prime in the thirties. You know, where as when I was growing up, I always thought, oh, the prime for a guy is like 24, 25, 26. Yeah. But I don't think so, man. What do you think about that? When was, when I was, think if you're doing it right, your prime is every year you're in. I like that. Okay. Like, every year you're in is your prime. You, you know, like, if you're doing it right, yeah. it just gets better. Mm-hmm. And the people who um, make excuses, they're just not doing it right. They're making excuses for that, right? Okay. Because even right now, um, you know, Without even, you know, without hubris, without bragging, I'm probably in better shape than most 20-year-olds, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and that's just even with maintenance. And, and I feel I, like, like my physical age and the way I feel is, um, hasn't changed in a couple decades. You know, I feel exactly the same as I did, you know, a little more tired, a little more responsibility, a little more weighed down by, by life at times, but physically and mentally, you know, things haven't changed in a long, long time. And I think that's, that's the way, yeah. I think that's when you know you're doing it right. Mm-hmm. You so know? you're doing it right now outside of work. So do you feel that because you have it all together outside of work, 
that that gives you creativity to do what you do at Shiraz? It, 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 gives, you the it gives you the energy, mm -hmm. it gives you the mental uh, freeboard, the freedom, you know, the space to create. Um, yeah, you have greater capacity, right? Um, you, you know, with, 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 with physical fitness, you just have more energy. If you have more energy, you have a greater capacity, you have more patience, you think better, you know, you're, you're just better regulated. Yeah. You're a better regulated human, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and there's no, the best thing about it is there's no trick. It's just about lifestyle. It's about ingraining uh, a lifestyle, a habit, into your into your life like if i don't run or do something you know you that's, feel sick. like i go kind of crazy mm -hmm. like if my wife and i are kind of you know getting a little crusty with each other she's like i think you need to run i'd be like yeah you're probably right and i'll come back a, a new person and that's something i've been doing for years and it's just it's just a lifestyle mm -hmm. you know it, it's people are like they hum and they haw and i, and I tell everyone the hardest part of the run is the first three feet out the door. Once you're out the door, yeah, you're, you're, you're in the zone, right? And then people also don't like running because they're, they're, they don't want to be alone with their own thoughts, right? Because you're definitely alone with your own thoughts. So I tell everyone, running is a, is a mental exercise, more than a physical one. It's got physical uh, benefits, but it's a mental exercise for me anyways. Um, and it's just something, you know, it's just, you, you know, it's a habit to pick up. It's, it's worth the investment. And once it, once you pick it up, it pays dividends your entire life. Mm -hmm. So what does your team know about you when it comes to key lessons of the kind of guy, the kind of guy you were like, how do you inspire them positively to do the best? I, you, you know what? I like to believe in them. Mm -hmm. Um, I like to, um, let them run with their own ideas. Okay. And first of all, like at Shred, we only hire people that we actually are in love with, that we think are unbelievable. And, and that was the other model for Shred. It's like really get the right people at the, at the table. Like sometimes the, these, these bloated agencies, they have filler people. And I, like, I never want to become one of those agencies where we just need kind of bodies to push work along. We want to be concentrated. We want to be lean. We want to be mean and like ready to take action and so we've kind of hired with you know based on that principle and um but yeah we want people that have their own uh opinions creative ideas they're uh, doers we, you know we only hire doers um and people that are want to learn and we hire by attitude everything else is teachable you cannot teach a good attitude right um, and so those are the things we look for and we really want to inspire like what's good for them is good for us Even if it's going somewhere else, you know, even if it's taking another job Even if it's taking time off if it's empowering them if it's good for them. It's good for us and um, And that's it and we also think you know a, a good idea can come from anywhere It doesn't matter what your title is. It's like right so, so how do you feel and what do you think about if an employee comes to you Dave, and says hey Mr. Barnes, you know, I'd like to take uh, three or four months of Africa because I'm overwhelmed, overworked, and I just feel exhausted. How would you approach the situation? I, I think without a doubt they should take it. You know, they can't stay and burn out. They're not going to be much good to anyone and yeah. most importantly themselves, right? So 
how do you react to like a situation like that, right? So do you react like, oh, are you asking, why are you burned out? Why are you exhausted? Do you want to know like- No, I, I would just react probably. I would just say, yeah, that sounds great because if they're coming to me with that, I think they probably already thought that Inside. all through on their end. Right. And then I can get the backstory after. Right. You know, I, I make decisions pretty quick. Um, sometimes to a fault, but I, I think it's better to make a decision quick and then come back and change it than to take too long with them and, 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 and drag it out. I agree with that. You know, sometimes my team doesn't like when I make decisions really quickly because sometimes I can make a decision so fast without thinking of the consequences. And it's happened a couple of times yeah. where it came back to bite me, right? But, you know, you learn from experience, you learn how to weigh your options and, and uh, the weight of your decisions. And I've gotten definitely better at that, right? So someone like you in your position now, how do you approach decision making? You know, well. It's a little question. That, that, that's a good question. Yeah. Decisions that I think I can make instantly, I do. I, I, I try to keep things off my plate. If if I can do it in two minutes, I do it quick. If if I already have a gut. Answer. Yeah, so is it, is it that? Is it the gut? Or is yeah, it a lot of times, time? a lot of times. Sometimes I overthink bigger decisions, and, and I've never seen the benefit of that, though it's, it's, it's something I tend to do, and I'm trying to get out of the habit. But some decisions take, the cer take a certain amount of consideration and deliberation, um, but there becomes a point where there's diminishing returns on that. So... Take in all the information, you know, talk to a couple people, but to get maybe a different perspective or some context, but then make a the decision that's right for you mm -hmm. and go with it. Because then you're going to build up more trust within your own decision making and your process. And that's the name of the game. And your team too, like the people that you work with, right? A lot of the clients have been more on the agency side. How are they approaching their decision-making skills? Are they are they doing it with you know what would Dave do in the situation, or what's best for the agency at this time? You know what I think in, in many cases that they're so um, uh, woven into the agency culture that what's good for them is good for the agency, right? So I like people to kind of trust their own instincts. You know, I want them to, I you know I think that's what building a company is all about. I can kind of like create the form, but they're going to shape it, you know? Gotcha. You know, I bring the clay, but it gets shaped by the people around it. So I just like to put the opportunities and bring people together. I think I'm a connector, but connector. what they make, I want yeah. them to- Connector, she said something really cool, yeah, connector, yeah. right? And that's what Beza means, to connect, right? So connecting, you know, you want to connect opportunities to people. When it comes to opportunities, what are your like, Opportunities where you decide right away, yep, I want it, or yeah, you know what, I don't want it. So, what are the ideal opportunities for your people? Knowing your people, knowing what your core competency is, like what are these opportunities you always say yes to nine times out of ten? That's a good question. I think partnerships, like partnering with good companies like Veza or people who are innovative, I'm always interested in investing time and and money and resources into other companies that that um, really we share a common vision or we have some values or even we just like each other, yeah. you know? Like, yeah. 
we spend so much time working. I used to tell my teams that, you know, at some of the other leadership positions I've had, I'd be like, I spend more time with you than I do with my own family, mm-hmm. right? And I like, let's like each other. Mm-hmm. And, and I really believe that is one of the most important aspects of the company, that you like the people you're, you're working with and you develop those strong relationships with them. I'm definitely a big believer in network relationships, having having good uh, people around you and investing into relationships. Like, you know, I just hit you up one a couple of weeks ago when I got back to yeah. Toronto. I said, Dave, let's do a podcast. Okay, cool. Let's do it. We'll do it in two weeks. Yeah. Awesome. In the last, what, 48 hours, 72 hours, we planned everything out. I showed up and here we are now. Yeah, we texted maybe 40 words to each other yeah. and now we're making it happen. We're making it happen. Because we're synced up, right? Yeah. So we, we didn't need it to be kind of really... Uh, over elaborated and discussed because we we know we knew we were aligned and yeah those are those are the kinds of relationships yeah. i'm talking about yeah. yeah and it's like you know i can go on my phone right now call up if i need something done in dubai new york i call up a buddy hey i need this and this and this you get it for me yeah sure no problem and i feel the same thing with you you can call me all the time saying hey steph i need someone who can do this and this and this yeah no problem i got you, you know? yeah and those are the relationships that i love that i always invest in yeah you know and i think it's super important, especially in the space that we're at, because as you probably know, it is saturated. There is a lot of movement happening with other agencies. It is competitive too, right? But I think with you know the model that you just shared with everyone, that growth partner model, but also the relationship model that you're talking about and picking your opportunities carefully that you know your team can fulfill, I think that that's secret sauce, man. That is the secret sauce. And a lot, a lot of people don't like it. I feel like they know about it, but no one acts on it. You know, they all like talk about it, but I see with you, it's like, you know, yeah. you mean game and you execute on it. You actually make it happen. That's what I mean by like swagger. It's like you're, it's who you are as a person, right? You're, you're a direct reflection of, of you and like what you're building. Like your team here, me and you sitting here doing this podcast on a Thursday, rainy afternoon here in Toronto, you know? So um, I think it's really inspiring to be like that. Okay. So I always ask people this question, right? What's one question you would ask yourself that I didn't ask me? You just have a whole break to think about it, so. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, he's stumping me with these questions, yeah. Stumping? Stumping the questions. Stumping me, stumping me. Um, what's one thing I would ask myself? That I, I would ask myself, what keeps you going? What keeps you waking up in the morning um, about this business? Because I think this is the best business in the world. It's a true adventure of a business. Um, it changes every day. You're dealing with different businesses, different problems, different people. You're wrangling all these creatives, all these like eccentric um, individuals. And it, you know, to me, creating something from an idea, coming up with an idea and then producing it and making something and, and, and bringing value that way is the best thing ever, mm-hmm. you know? And, and I love it, and to this day I love it. Big clients, small clients, doesn't matter. If you produce results, if you help give them something that they didn't even think was possible, because you saw something in their business or in them or in their, an opportunity they didn't see and you bring that to the table, and you see how it changes their business or their life. 
puts value on the table, you know, um, helps people's uh, careers. It's amazing. It's a great feeling. So, you know, it's, we're in the best business, creating, making things, fun things, interesting things, you know, things that just create value. It's the best business ever. You're an agent of change for other people. Agent of change for other people, exactly. Yeah, right. you're making it happen. Yeah, because people are too close to their own situations, right? So when you bring in uh, a company like ours, we, we have a more objective opinion, you know, and, and we're looking for the good. And sometimes the good, it's, it's just, it's become commonplace to your clients. And, and it just goes overlooked. And then we see them and we go, what about this? And they're like, oh, that's nothing. We're like, no, that's amazing. That, that is the story. Mm-hmm. And then when we show them how that can be leveraged or brought out, and, and, and then that's when the trust forms too. And especially when you start building trust with the client, that's when the real greatness can happen. Because until you have that trust, it's very hard to take risks with somebody, right? And without any risks, there's no reward. Right, right, that's amazing. That's a really good answer to your own question. You know, like, what would you ask yourself? So, you know, you wake up every morning with a purpose to be a change agent for other people and build that relationship and that trust. Yeah, and see the best in them. Bring yeah. the best out. Inspire them. Like, pull it out. Give them energy, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I had this, uh, my old boss, again, Art Mandalas. I bring him up a lot. Community agency. Excellent agency. Um, and he used to say, Barnes makes it better. And it's just because I brought, you know, energy and enthusiasm. But he, we went out for dinner a lot, so he was probably talking about, like, I'd always be, mmm, this is a good steak, or mmm, this is amazing. And he'd be just like, Barnes <laughs> makes it better, right? Uh, but yeah, but it's about having that enthusiasm. And I think the enthusiasm comes from me just trying to get that hit of like that excitement of, of, of the little adrenaline inside of you, yeah. the excitement, the happiness, the, the feeling. I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. That resonates a lot with me. You know, it's like when you have the enthusiasm, it's like the kid inside of you is like excited about doing something. Yeah. You know, excited about getting results, excited for making that other person proud of them because they made the right choice, they're proud of themselves. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's what it's about. How do you manage these expectations now with, with clients? Right? How do you manage the expectation of like you know, they're expecting this result, right? You might be close to the result or you might be far off of it. How do you approach, you know, expectation management? Like what's mm-hmm. your one-on-one lesson around that? Ma- managing expectations is a big, I tell my team a lot, this is, it's one of the most important things. Well, I think from an account management standpoint, it's just making sure you're on top of what's happening next. I think, you know, I think that, that ball gets dropped a lot mm-hmm. uh, in, in you know, and I think in some of the bigger, better agencies, it doesn't get dropped. But I see in some of the smaller ag- agencies I've been part of, that ball gets dropped a lot. So it's it's like echoing back um, next steps from a meeting, as simple as that, in an email or in a Slack message, just to let everyone know, hey, this is this is the next play that's 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 happening. Um, I see that not happen. In the, not transpiring in a lot of meetings I've been in, but just making sure that you're leading the client along the way, like that builds trust and that um, that builds trust with them. And, and also builds respect because they see you as the authority, you're kind of leading the play. Um, but in terms of expectation of outcome, 
But I think that's a lot of soft selling too. You gotta be constantly taking a consultative approach to the business. You're constantly asking questions. You're doing benchmarking. You know, we think we're gonna end up here, plus or minus 20%. You know, if it's a visual concept, you, you can kind of bring in visual cues, visual benchmarks. This is kind of where we wanna go. Examples, business cases. This is the direction we're going in so that you're kind of, you're giving them some really rich um, material to understand where you're going, especially creatively, because a lot of clients, um, they don't speak creative speak, so you need to kind of show them. Um, so a lot of that, and a lot of, you, you know, it's a lot of soft selling, yeah. building trust, asking questions, giving examples, a lot of the um, presidents, CEOs that I deal with, we'll even be texting stuff back and forth. You know, this is kind of what I was, you know, I mentioned something in a meeting the other day, this is kind of, and bringing context to the conversation. Yeah. You know, just the way communication is now, you have kind of these main meetings or main kind of ch information chunks, and then it's these soft sell messages. So how are you managing that kind of, um, that intermittent messaging with the client and kind of moving the conversation along. I remember when we were in Cannes, the Lions Festival of Creativity, and we had that, the day we met, that little workshop. It yeah. was me, it was you, it was three or four other individuals, and I forget how it was, I think she was saying, if you were to re-innovate the agency model, what would it be? And we got together, and ours was- You said get rid of Slack. Was it get rid of Slack? It was something. It was something else as well. There was get rid of Slack, and then there was get rid of account managers or project managers, something like that. Yeah. I think it was the account managers. We wanted. Yeah. To, we wanted to get rid of these account managers because we felt like they were transactional. Yeah. Right? I think that's what. Yeah. That? It, it, that was like a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I. Well, I think if not even so get rid of them, but improve them, become hybrids. It's like. It, at Charette, at our, our place, all account managers... Uh, they're involved know, in the projects, right? Well, they have, they have some creative chops, too. Okay. They're good writers, they're good yeah. thinkers, they're strategists, they're, they're social media people. So they're bringing more to the conversation. Like, they're just and, saying, hey, this is what we did this Yeah, week. exactly. Okay. They're not just taking notes. And, Are you taking lead on projects as well? You, as the creative director, how, how does that work? You, you know what, I, the way that we're building our businesses, I'm really standing behind the work. So I'll be involved in the onset, in the vision setting, getting the team together, you know, managing uh, the communication with kind of the, some of the key stakeholders. But I'm really letting my team kind of run with the work and I'm just setting the bar where it needs to be and then checking in to make sure it gets there. So, gotcha. I like yeah. that. I like that. That's a really good growth part of the model. And that's actually something now where what I want to grow into at my agency. I myself want to be not just the CEO, but a growth partner in helping our top clients like with their growth marketing plans, right? Like we have a lot of B2B SaaS companies that just got funding, and normally they're tech or finance founded, like the CEOs, right? And so they don't have a disposition or that much knowledge when it comes to marketing. So I want to be that guy that they text the phone number and say, "Steph, I have an idea. What do you think?" You know, and I'm trying That's to right. I'm trying to get to that level now. I'm trying to elevate my my game with with marketing, go brushing up a lot of skills. I'm trying to learn from different mentors like yourself at this point right now. It's like, how do I position myself as a growth partner and move away from that CEO role? Like, what would you, what, would, what advice would you have for me? Take risks and put your money where your mouth is, right? Because 
You know, once you got the skin in the game and they see you as a partner, you're going to get a lot more calls, right? Because they might have gaps in their funding or their abilities and, they, you know, oh, there's a great opportunity. It's a little bit out of reach. But if we had a partner like, like Vesa that could come to the table and kind of bring their chops, well, maybe we can put it together. Now you're, you're going to get that call. Yeah. So stay behind my work. Actually stay behind that work, not just like the actual brand Vesa. I get it. Stand behind the outcomes, the outcomes you know, because th then you're really in the game, mm -hmm. right? And you're going to get th those more entrepreneurial calls, those like venture venture calls, those like new biz calls, mm -hmm. those like... Gotcha. That's good. That's really good insight. And that's one of the things that now, <laughs> as I'm making this transition period in Q2, I'm going to take on two or three projects that I basically own as, as a growth partner. I'm leading my creative team to deliver a certain result. I'm structuring different deals. Actually, what you said about that incentive program skin the game, I'm going to try that out. I yeah, think, I know. I think that's going to be, you know, my first time doing something like this, but I'm going to try that out and let you know how it goes. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I think you'll find that, that, that business leaders will be very receptive to that, especially on the client side, because that's just, you know, they might be a little skeptical mm -hmm. because it's a new model, but like there's lots of new, like the old structures are falling down and new models are springing up. So you want to be one of those agencies and one of those partners that are bringing new ways of doing business to the mm -hmm. table. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. This has been really great, Dave. Yeah. Awesome. I'm really happy to. Thank you. Thanks for coming. We'll do it again. For sure. Yeah.